take charge of your leadership development. Join our How to Take the Lead Substack community for bonus materials, exclusive content, and discussions that will challenge and change the way you lead. Visit howtotakethelead.com to find out more. Oh, I love it when you do that face. I love it now that some people will see you do that face as well, Lee. It's like, yeah, this is right up Lee's street. Just rolling up my sleeves here. Welcome to How to Take the Lead, the podcast where we challenge the myths and stereotypes of what it means to be a leader today and help you to succeed in post without compromise. I'm Lee Griffith. And I'm Carrie-Anne Wade. And together we will be your guides, questioning everything we've ever learned about leadership, sharing our experiences along the way and inspiring you to make a real impact in your role. Visit howtotakethelead.com for show notes, past episodes and to join our community. Enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to episode two of series three, how have we got here already, of how to take the lead. I am here, uh, as you can see, I say as you can see, because you might well be watching this on YouTube. How exciting um, that this series is uh, not only uh, being shared via podcast on your listening platform of choice, um, but is also on YouTube. So I'm here with the lovely Lee. Lee, how are you? I can wave now. <laughs> I will, thank you. I am really good. It's been a busy week. I'm looking forward to a G&T. It's a bit too early for G&T oh. now. But who knows? Now we're on YouTube. Maybe we bring back the old Insta. Oh, stop if we bring back the gin recommendations. That would be amazing. Let us know in the comments if you want that. <laughs> yeah, if if you want to start a bring back the G&T movement for how to take the lead, yeah, please do let us know. Um, uh, so just that's just really made me chuckle. Um, I'm I also now have a request of you, Lee. Um, given that th- that this is being filmed and will be on YouTube, is to you please remind me if I ever have another Jack Duckworth moment with my glasses. Um, because, niche reference. Yeah, very niche reference. You can go back and find the episode that we're referring to on the podcast. Um, uh, yeah, so I now have to be aware of what I look like as well as what I sound like as well as what I'm saying. But trials and tribulations of leadership, eh? <laughs> I know. It kind of flies in the face of the fact that we go like, just show up as you are. And there's us putting our lipstick on. Yeah. It's like, oh, I can't. <laughs> you couldn't possibly go on looking like that. I'll frighten people. Um and then I felt sorry for my poor team who do sometimes have to see me on video all day long without my lipstick on. So, you know, I probably need to stop, yeah, being my more authentic self. <laughs> so, um, here we are. Um, welcome to How to Take the Lead. You can now uh, watch along on YouTube if you'd like to. If you uh, would like to do that, we would love it. If you would uh, share it, leave a comment. Um, and the same applies to listening uh, on your platform of choice to the podcast as well, because if you just share this with one other person, you are helping us with our movement uh, in creating the modern leader, um, which would be just brilliant. We're also on the socials, so you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And again, we would love to hear your feedback. Uh, do connect with us. Uh, tell us what you think and what you'd like us to cover uh, to help you on your leadership journeys. So uh, I think that's probably all of the intro uh, spiel I need to give to make sure that you are showing up where we're showing up and vice versa. 
It feels like when you go to a conference now, doesn't it? You know, the exits are here and here. We haven't got a planned alarm. No. Um, so if you do hear one, please evacuate the building. I mean, I would say if you need a comfort break, we're all adults and just go. But I would be disappointed if you did that, Lee. Then I would be sat here on my own. So if you need a comfort break, you're just going to have to wait, okay? So let's get into uh, what we are planning to talk about in this episode of uh, How to Take the Lead. Um, And it's something that has come up for me in numerous different conversations over the years, I would probably say. So not just recently, but over a period of time um, around what organisations can do to support the development of their leaders. Um, It's something that I often hear quite a lot of moans and niggles about. Um, It's something that some places seem to get really right, some places seem to get really wrong, um, and there also feels like there are a lot of organisations that are just sitting somewhere in the middle of that spectrum, kind of just doing enough maybe to make leaders feel valued, to help develop a potential pipeline of uh, future leaders for their organisation, um, so I really wanted to just uh, have that conversation with you today, Lee, and get some of your views uh, views on that. And where I wanted to start, given that we uh, definitely both claim to be leaders in our respective fields and in potentially previous roles we've had in, in your situation um, and in my current role, um, but I just sort of wondered if we could reflect a little bit on how we got here. Uh, from we don't have to go into all of that because that would be a really long episode but from the point of view of what sort of leadership conversations did you ever have if any early on in your career because we have found ourselves for whatever reason I would like to think through hard work and aspiration I'm in these leadership positions in our careers but like when did we talk about this sort of stuff and who talked about it with us when we were were much earlier on in our career journeys? Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I, I, um, I don't, I don't recall any specific conversations. Certainly not in my more junior days, if I put it that way. I, I can recall a couple of conversations when I became more senior, um, but not anything. In, in, as I was kind of coming up the ranks, there's two conversations that that stick in my mind. One was telling me actually that I needed to move into a more operational role if I wanted to progress in my career so it was kind of saying oh your chosen profession isn't taken seriously enough and you need oh, to let's not get on that soapbox <laughs> yeah. me because that could be a whole other episode <laughs> <laughs> and the other one was with a really supportive CEO who recognized what I could offer um and I suppose actively then had that discussion with me about well let's get you a coach to work on the things you perhaps don't feel as comfortable with and put me on a a leadership a system leadership course so that was expanding my horizon and my network a bit more and it was a course they'd been on themselves um so actually both of these conversations were with ceos so it's quite interesting the different approach of, of two different ceos I'm giving you the finger there. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> and, and sorry to all the viewers slash listeners who uh, have just seen Lee flip the bird. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's an interesting one that I, that I I I genuinely 
maybe someone in my past will, will listen to this and go, hang on a minute, what about this thing that happened? But I can't, I can't remember it if I did. And and I think that's interesting, isn't it? You say maybe someone in my, you know, who's had a touch point with me in my past career would beg to differ. But actually, if that hasn't stuck with you and resonated with you, good, bad or otherwise, then clearly it didn't really have an impact. So mm. I, I think that is interesting. My experience would be very similar to yours, which was, until I had an opportunity to move into a more senior role and act up and really think about being a leader, you know, what it means to be a leader or have any conversations about sort of leadership development and, and until you're in that space and there's a little bit of me yeah. that worries if that's a bit too late. <laughs> For some well, people, like you're in it then, and it's like oh, that's a whole other conversation. Okay. I'm sure we're going to get into. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and and I think like my reflections are similar to yours, as in I've worked with people once I've been in leadership positions who have uh, interestingly either been very supportive and perhaps challenged my thinking. I had one chief exec who, uh, in my second one to one with them, said, "So you know, where do you want to be in five years' time? Do you want to be a chief exec?" And I was like. Oh. Uh, actually no thanks and that's okay too but that's that's not you know where I want to head but then had have had other you know um managers who have not really been interested in not in my development as a leader and I, th- I think you know that that's just been something that I've reflected on mm. and, and found quite interesting so I guess to shift that along a little bit what sort of support would have been useful to you from your organization's to get you to think about whether or not being a leader was something that you wanted from your career and support you to get there if it was. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's a hard one to answer in one, in some ways, because I've always been very proactive in my own development. And therefore, when I say I didn't get support from my organization, I didn't get specific leadership support. I did get a lot of support because I made a case for things. They paid for me to do a master's. I went to conferences, all of that kind of stuff. It wouldn't have happened if I hadn't made a clear case. Um, And I suppose my interesting reflection, linking it back to the leadership thing, is that they were happy to pay for me to do things to make me become more expert in my field, but less keen on you to do anything that would perhaps develop you more broadly. And it was almost maybe that fear that they're going to lose you if they do that. And I think that's perhaps the crux of the issue, that no one is having real conversations about people's ambitions and progression and all of that kind of stuff, because there's that fear if they help you achieve that, then they're going to lose you. And so I wonder whether what would be useful from organizations is a is a bit of a mindset shift that actually broadly developing your people is beneficial to the organization whether you keep them or not they're actually probably more likely to stay with you if you do that broader development of course if you're in an expert area and there isn't that progression then it's only natural you're going to move but you can't hold on and hold people back for your selfish reasons yeah. Oh, I'm so on board with what you've said there. And and my experience again would be similar, that very happy to fund sort of technical training um, in, in the chosen expert field that I work in. But a, a lot of experience has been less happy to, as you say, f- fund things that are, are much more broad and maybe about, you know, being a leader. And it's interesting that is it fear of losing people that stops organisations wanting to invest in 
individuals and in groups of people in their organisation that have real potential um, to step into that senior leadership space. It, is there also an element of it maybe that it feels a bit threatening um, well, yeah. to actually be encouraging people to step into that leadership space early on and to be really open about how you're going to develop people? But but my experience has definitely been that I've stayed longer in organisations that have uh, supported me from a leadership point of view around things like mentoring and coaching and development programs than I have in organisations who I feel have stifled that. But mm. I, I guess there's also something to consider if you're an individual listening to this around your point about, you know, I definitely know you are and I would say I'm too have been very proactive throughout our careers and seeking out our own development opportunities mm-hmm. and feeling quite confident in saying no actually this is what I need or I'm go- I am going to do this but there will be people who perhaps don't quite have the confidence or, or courage to do that and and that feels sad to me that actually yeah. then if you're in an organization who who um, isn't proactively kind of addressing that or seeking out what leadership development needs there might be that there are people sitting there kind of just feeling a bit stuck are you a public sector senior leader who wants to make a great impact in your role are you struggling to take people with you are you working in the weeds or tackling things that your training hasn't prepared you for do you want to stop second guessing your approach and show up in a way that feels true to your personality and values at sunday skies i specialize in helping leaders like you communicate with impact so that you can improve organizational performance engagement and reputation sign up to my email list at sundisguise.com forward slash email We've talked a little bit about being developed in your sort of expert area, which kind of leads me on to um, the the next thing that I I wanted to raise in the discussion, which um, particularly in the sector in which I work, I have often seen um, people who are identified as being really good at their job. Um, So whatever their chosen profession is, you know, whether that's in finance, they're a great accountant, whether it's in a clinical role, I work in healthcare. So, you know, they're a really brilliant nurse. And it's almost assumed by their leaders or by the organisations that that will automatically make them a good leader. Mm. So then they get promotional opportunities to step into that leadership space, but often with kind of no development plan. to support them so what's your take on how organizations potentially could start to tackle some of this oh I love it when you do that face I love it now that some people will see you do that face as well Lee it's like yeah this is right up Lee's street just rolling up my sleeves here (laughs) (laughs) so this is like my big bugbear and actually probably one of the reasons that I do what I do in my business because People are supported, developed, promoted within this kind of funnel. They go, they go upwards in a very straight line based on the area of expertise they have. And then suddenly they get to the more senior level and this platform opens out and the expectations on that person triples, quadruples, whatever, usually in line with the amount of money that they're paid. And yet people are just left out there exposed and left to flounder. And I think the issue is that organisations don't really think about the things that they want leaders to do in their organisation and then give them that practical support. And I'm talking about things like 
writing business cases? How you, how do you do plans for cost savings? How do you make service change? How do you do strategy and planning? How do you deal with the board, public engagement, talk about things that aren't your area of expertise and portfolio to a broader organisation or stakeholder? You know, I could go on with the list of stuff that I've had to help people in my kind of corporate career and also now in, in the business that I run. And what happens is that leaders come across these things in real time and they struggle to handle it. They get judged by others that they don't know what they're doing. Um, more pressure's put on them because there's this expectation of delivery because they're being paid so much money. And it creates this really unsupportive environment. It makes the leader really bloody miserable and affects their confidence and questioning their ability to kind of take it forward. And at worst, leaders are left to fail and, and maybe even need to exit the role or, or get moved on to something else. And there are a lot of leaders that I work with who are people in that position where they're just trying to adjust to these new demands and expectations and figure out what kind of leader they actually want to be. So I think, you know, what, what can an organisation do to bring it back to your question is like, Invest in coaching. Yes, that sounds like, of course, I'd be promoting promoting that. But invest in that safe space so, so they can explore the the nutty issues and, and all of that kind of stuff. Look at how you're preparing leaders in your organisation. So can you buddy them up? Can you give them shadow opportunities? Can you give them a chance to really see what the type of things they're going to have to deal with and maybe give them that experience early on? when it's okay to fail. And, and we've talked about psychological safety in, in the second um, series. It is about creating that safety culture for, for leaders to start to explore. And they need to do it that at an earlier stage in their career so that they can feel like they, they've had the knocks and the trips and the falls before they get to, to that most senior level. I think we need to do a massive amount of work to challenge the typical leadership development programs that are out there because I in my opinion a lot of them offer the same stuff and it doesn't necessarily close the gap that you know that list of stuff I was just reeled off it doesn't necessarily touch the sides on some of that stuff and then I think there's a there's a thing about leaders who are already in senior leadership positions need to change their own expectations about new leaders and how they respond to new leaders. You can't expect someone who's been in the job for two minutes to perform like someone who's been in the job for 10 years. Um, yes, the person who's been in the job for 10 years might know some stuff, but they're not necessarily always going to be the best person to know. So you can't model your expectations on someone that's been in that job for longer. Sorry, that, I literally no, could talk I, about this all day. I do know. I love it. I feel like that's uh, the first soapbox moment <laughs> really of series uh, three, which is excellent because it's only in the second episode. So more of this as we go on, I'm sure. But yeah, there's so much in what you've said there, Lee, that really resonates with me. And I, I, I've got, when you said about, you know, leaders who've been well established in an organization can't expect new leaders to just like step in and, and be like them, but nor should we want no, leaders to be no. like them because, well that's what we're here for yeah, isn't it exactly uh, yeah yes 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 um, <laughs> and there's something for me just about that like you know we we want to create that diverse thinking that diverse culture that diverse conversation so we don't want 10 leaders who are all the same we want these new people to come through and feel able to 
flourish and grow and thrive with support that they're not just left there as you say floundering left to their own devices because they haven't had maybe that encouragement that exposure that support before they've got into those senior leadership roles so I I absolutely do um, agree with with everything that you've said I, I think there's also something for me and you touched on it slightly so I'd like to explore it a bit more uh, around the types of organizational uh, leadership programs that get put on mm-hmm. and my experience has been that they are either not actually leadership development programs at all they're management training programs yes. <laughs> and yes. they're about really practical and, and I know we've talked about you know needing to to understand a bit more about how your remit changes as a senior leader but the leadership development programs that, that I've often had exposure to are just about you know, how to be a decent manager basically you know managing sickness having a challenging conversation how are you logging annual leave like how are you managing performance and but it's all down here yeah, isn't it and that's very the thing. operational so, so those things might still be true and but they're different when you get to a more senior level and the the context changes and yet the training doesn't change yeah. yes they're they're badged as a leadership development program and really they're, they're management training or I tend to find there's a kind of one size fits all approach mm. um and and I know there are organizations like we have our way so you know and we have our value set and all of those things are really important to to be aligned but I sometimes think that kind of blinkered one size fits all with what leadership development we're going to offer because what we're trying to do is create a consistent approach and a consistent offer for leaders doesn't work for people on a lot of levels either because their own uh, kind of ways that they grow and develop and educate themselves are not what's on offer in that program so it's kind of not diverse enough in terms of of opportunity and and ways of learning um or or I guess because it sort of feels sometimes a bit culty and like I absolutely think you know values need to align when you work in an organization for you to feel able to create that psychological safety and work well with other people but sometimes it can feel a bit like culty like actually you know, this leadership development program is going to turn you into a bit of a robot leader. Yeah, is yeah. again back to that point. The same as every other leader. And yeah. actually, I, I don't feel like that is what we want in this day and age in terms of leadership. So, sorry, having gone a really long-winded route around describing all of that, I guess it's kind of with taking that on board. What what are your views on what we need to consider in order to change some of? approach to this kind of one-size-fits-all management development rather than leadership development well and I I think the the point you make about creating this like robotic production line of what we want our leaders to to look like gets to the nub of the the actual problem when you do the training because it doesn't take into account people's individual styles and what will work for them and maybe even how they engage with learning and all of that kind of stuff is is very different. So for me, you need to tailor it. Yes, of, of course, I know that takes time and it takes effort and, and it can be hard. You, you want to try and do things at scale because that's that's the most cost effective and quickest way to do things. But you've got to be able to to couple that with bespoke interventions with people at the right time on the right topic so you need to be looking at you know what the topics that that person needs how do you deliver it that's going to best engage that person and and help them 
And when is the right time to do that? So don't just say, oh, everyone's got to come along on a Monday morning and we can do this once once a month and that's it. You're Because there's no, for me, th- th- there always lacks a so what factor to that training because people will go for a one day thing or a week thing or half a day, whatever it might be, or online training. And then the next day they go back to business and they forget it. They've made some notes. They've they filed the notes away. They might have had a little breakthrough moment. There might be a couple of new tools that they've started to use, but it doesn't fundamentally shift the dial in the way that, that the organization hopes it will shift. And it's, it's, it's a nice to have, but doesn't fundamentally change practice. So I think organizations have to look at how they make it sticky for people. And I think that's where things like coaching is really powerful because if you look at, I don't know, athletes, they all have performance coaches, for example. And in leadership, it can feel like it's a nice to have to have a coach or it's only for the most senior people in the organisation. But what if you took an approach of actually let's get performance coaches to help support these individuals and and yes it might be maybe the top 20 or the top 30 people that you identify in your organization that's got potential and and you start to use that approach but then it's looking at how can you almost train the trainer how do you create a coach a coaching culture in the way that you lead and manage so that people are able to take that reflection and actually make the change happen I yeah I'm all for that I am absolutely here for kind of that personalization so I agree you know there is a time and a place maybe for that more organizational wide um, approach to some of that development but that can't be that the only way you develop leaders or potential future leaders in your organization um, the coaching is really powerful and actually you know going into a slightly different topic that I know we've covered before really fits with what type of culture you're trying to create in your organization Mm -hmm. that your leaders are role modeling so that kind of coaching behavior and style of leadership can be definitely really powerful I I also think there's things in there for me around you know you mentioned some organizations wanting leadership development to feel and be cost effective but there is something about investing in people whether that is through paid for Uh, development opportunities or whether that is through some development opportunities which might be free like shadowing like you know potentially having an informal mentoring relationship helping people to grow their network of of peer support um but it's almost enabling people when they reach leadership positions to know that it's okay to invest their time in that because it's an important part of growing as a leader um so I don't think that investment always has to be about kind of hard cash of how much a development opportunity costs in terms of an invoice being sent to you but there is something about enabling people um to feel like it's okay to invest in their own development Mm. however that's that you know that transpires and and in doing that you're showing that you value those people that you value their leadership in your organization or that you value their potential um to be leaders in your organization which fits so much with the retention piece that we we briefly touched on but it's it's finding the right fit for for the person and the objectives that that you as an organization and that person is seeking to achieve and i think sometimes the risk with organisations that, that think that they're doing that well is that they're they're utilising free resources. So it might be, oh, we've, we we have internal coaches you can use, for example. I, I'm only talking about that because obviously that's that's my area and in, in interest. But they'll use that, or they'll they'll go to a free network that they can get that. 
which is all very well and good and it does have a place, but wouldn't it be far better to recognise if there is an expert intervention or a specialist type of coach or trainer or something that someone needs and, and do the match in the right way at the right time than just going, oh, well, you've got access to the free stuff, but the free stuff might not challenge you in the way that you need to be challenged in your leadership growth. And it might not make you feel as valued as well, somebody yeah. actually investing in you as a leader and it might not make you want to stay absolutely. And, I, you know, I think one of the things that comes up a lot for me with senior communicators that I work with as a mentor is around the fact that probably up to that point where they've potentially worked with me, they've been given exactly what you've said. Oh, well, we've got trained mentors in our organisation, so use one of them. And it's like, actually, quite often they don't have that professional background and expertise that a mentor can often bring in terms of experience and support and advice. But equally, sometimes leaders don't want that in their own organization Mm, because mm. what they want to talk to a mentor or a coach or whomever a support network about feels like something that might be too tricky and challenging to talk about with people that work with you and they've Um, got to show their vulnerability and it's and it can be really hard particularly if you're in a senior leadership position to to show and, and we talk about showing up and saying you know this is hard I don't know how to do this and that and the other but that you've got to go on a journey to get to that place to to be able to be open with someone and say that, and you've got to be able to expose that vulnerability. And if you can't do that in a safe space first, you're never going to do it in your organisation. Absolutely. And I I guess many people listening to this will already be in senior leadership positions and leaders in their own organisations who perhaps have that power um, to uh, think about uh, how they want to develop future leaders or existing leaders in their organization so if if we're talking to one of those individuals you know what can I as a leader start to think about in terms of how I can do things differently and help develop other leaders in my place of work so I don't think there's anything really new um, in terms of what I've already said, so I've, I'll just repeat the th- the three things I think that are most important to me. So what? So one is that as leaders taking that coaching approach to support other leaders is is going to always be beneficial. The high performance organisations always take that approach. I think you need to think about the person, and you need to stop worrying about them about losing them and. They don't need this kind of development for this role or for these objectives. You know, think holistically about the type of person you're helping to shape and the impact they can have on the organisation or in other organisations that they go on to work. And I think there's there's self work you need to do as a leader on your own attitudes and behaviours and your expectations. Going back to that thing around, you can't expect someone newly into a role to be performing like like you are in your role. And I, and I say that being someone who has set really high expectations of my team in the past and have had to do a lot of work to go, well, maybe they don't think and feel the same as me or maybe just because I did it this way doesn't mean that that they're going to do it this way. So, you know, it, we're all human. This is a natural thing that happens, but we all need to work on that. Yeah, I, I would just build on those points by saying, you know, actually, as a leader, you, you know, you do manage people in your organisation that that work directly to you so actually have those appraisals give meaningful feedback to people that will help Mm, their development mm. 
Uh, don't just wait a year to do that appraising and talk about the personal development plan, which so often happens in organizations as a tick box exercise to say everyone's got one and then it's not revisited for a year. Like bring that to life for the people that are in your leadership team that you are leading, managing and supporting. And I think also as a leader, I think you have a role to identify those learning opportunities for individuals as well as organizationally Mm. because I don't think we should just be expecting people to come up with their own because quite often you know it it takes more conversations than just the self-reflection to work out what would make somebody a more impactful or effective leader so you know do those interventions identify those opportunities and and offer them to people don't expect Mm. people just to be merrily sat away you know at home doing their own doing their own development I say in bunny ears so (laughs) so hopefully um that last bit of conversation gave some helpful how-tos because we do always like to end an episode with some practical um things that people can consider and, and hopefully do as this is a year of action let's go more for the doing than the uh considering um it is there, I love that you put your hand up, Lee. I was just about to say to you, is there anything burning that you want to, to share before we end this conversation about how organisations can support leadership development? I'm feeling feisty this series. I don't know. Uh-oh, what, there's this, just something. I've got but... to get ready for this. Maybe we do need to bring the gin back. <laughs> well, no, that's that's when, when the extrovert comes out in me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think my final thing is... As leaders in in this context of this conversation, we need to stop settling for mediocre. I think we need to be honest about what's required for our people and we've got to start challenging the status quo. I love it. I love it. You are feeling feisty this series, aren't you? We're only on episode two. Something in the waters, I I don't know. On that note, I cannot wait for the next episode to see where that's going to take the conversation. Um, Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone who's listened, watched, however you're engaging with us. Um, We really appreciate it. And until next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to hit follow and share the show with someone you know. Oh, that rhymes. A rating or review will be much appreciated. If you're looking for some leadership inspiration, why not get a free copy of our recommended reading list? Visit howtotakethelead.com to download. Until next week, get out there and take the lead.